2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Rookie and Nice, the new podcast from BBC Good Food. My
0: name is Miriam Nice. And I'm Nadia Ziafatt, also known as the Rookie Chef. Unlike Miriam, I'm right at the start of my cooking journey. My day-to-day job is replying to your feedback and talking to you on our social media channels. Whereas I've been working in food and food
2: writing for many years, including the last six of BBC Good Food. In this series, we're joining forces to deep dive into a recipe with an expert guest and help answer your
0: cookery questions too. While well, I learn how to perfect a new dish, each week Miriam will be finding out how and when it's served and who to.
2: Join us as we learn all about some of our favourite dishes and uncover some great cookery tips direct from the experts. We've recorded this podcast at home, so the quality might not be the same as
0: we would expect if we'd done it in the studio. In this episode, we're learning all about paratha.
2: Almost 3,000 of you are searching for this recipe online, so search no
0: more. Yep, with us today to walk us through it is chef, author, restaurateur, with no less than four London restaurants and one in Oxford, Vivek Singh. Welcome to the podcast, Vivek. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me
2: it's lovely to see you and your food is described as modern authentic indian in your own words tell us about you and and your work
1: i mean you know uh, uh when i started here in london 20 years ago I, I i don't think you would ever hear the words modern and authentic together so you know a, 20 years on um and it's rather fortuitous because um this month, actually, this month on the 20th, we celebrate 20 years of the Cinnamon Club. And so 20 years on, you can actually hear the words modern and authentic together, which is brilliant. I mean, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, even if it wasn't intended as well. It is, it is. But, but a, a, a vast majority of my the body of my work has been around pushing the boundaries of Indian food and how how generally in, you know people perceive Indian food in the country Um This is before the days of the cinnamon club. I mean, as loved as the cuisine was and is, and it continues to be so, um, there's just, um, it's been elevated to a completely different level. And the excitement and the um, experimentation and the uh, innovation and creativity that we see in Indian restaurants and the the whole sort of desire and move towards um, uh, freshness and quality and seasonal ingredients um so yeah, essentially, that's been the body of my work for the last 20-odd years. Along the way, came along some books and a few more restaurants and a little bit of television. But that's all, all incidental to this.
0: So that's a, a lot of experience, which I'm sure is why when we asked our Instagram audience if they had any questions for you, they had oh my God. quite a lot. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind answering right, them. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the first one, um, Ekta Singh asked, what's the most unusual paratha filling you've ever had?
1: Ah, uh, what's the most unusual paratha filling I've ever had? Um, there, there've got to be a couple. There's, um, there's, there's, a, there's one that I made myself and that was the broccoli and blue, blue Stilton uh, paratha, which, you know, As combinations go, it's not something that you um, often find in Indian homes. I mean, and and definitely not in restaurants. But you know, it's it's such a homely thing. It's such a familiar and comforting dish in its own right. I mean, it's it's almost a ritual uh, uh, um, in most sort of Indian households. Um, So it sometimes becomes a bit boring in terms of you know what can you do to it to make it exciting or to get people to sit up and take notice. And, and, and I guess, and I'm certainly going to use that as an excuse for coming up for a broccoli and blue stilton paratha. Um, but the, the most unusual one that I've had is, uh, it's actually not a paratha, but a naan, was a, was a lardo naan done by my my friend, uh, Will Bowlby in cricket. I think that 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 is another, you know, kind of an example of taking something and interpreting it in a completely different way. So, yeah, those two very most unusual parathas I've had.
0: They still sound delicious, though. Unusual, but but lovely. (laughs) And um, so you've spoken about unusual ones, but Lydia M. Nicola asked, what's your favourite stuffing?
1: Well, uh, I think, you know, everybody has their own favourites. And even in our household, we can't agree on one. So every paratha breakfast day ends up having three or four different fillings and, you know, what have you. It also depends on what's in season, but my favorite, if I had to really pick one, has got to be a cauliflower. The, you know, when they're in season or they have been in season in India nowadays, you can find cauliflower uh, pretty much throughout the year. But um, the cauliflower one is the most special one, uh, I I feel. My, my wife would disagree. She thinks the potato ones are the best.
0: <laughs> so speaking of potato ones, German underscore a Abendbrot? Honestly, some of these usernames I really struggle with. <laughs> I just like the fact that you read out the underscores. I think that's I great. know, I have to, I have to. Um, um, they asked, which potatoes are the best ones to stuff into paratha?
1: Yes, I, I think you want something quite mealy. Um, oh, sorry, I beg about pardon. Quite starchy, not too mealy, not too sticky. Mm. So, you know, for, for something like this, I think a, a really, you know, the red skin Desire variety that you, you quite commonly use Maris pipers are a really good one, or, or even Vivaldi potatoes. You know, it's so quite a, a generic all-rounder. Yeah. Uh, something quite starchy, not too mealy, basically. You don't want them too waxy because that will just cling and it'll make it quite difficult to roll out the parathas.
0: Okay. And I have to read out this username because the question <laughs> is very relevant. Um, yes, mum, I ate, asked, <laughs> how do I make my rotis round so I can make my mum happy?
1: Yeah, well, practice, practice. <laughs> there isn't a compass invented yet to make these rotis, um, uh, rotis round, but I mean, I you know, I think other than practice, what, what else could you do? I mean, that's a really good question because it gets you thinking. Um, no, I mean, if you if you're a novice, you're starting off on, on on these things. I suspect you know if you make the dough a little bit stiffer than normal. <laughs> That would be a good starting point. Use a little bit more flour than is generally uh, up to 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 roll the bread out. You can use a little bit more flour, and that can help, a little, you know, uh, or prevent the bread from sticking to the to the stone uh, or to the surface. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's just got to be about practice, I suppose. But I'll tell you why. You don't have to have them round. They taste just as good, even if they're, you know, any any any. You know the shape of any map or the anywhere yeah. in the world.
0: And speaking of rolling things out, IMK chats asked, "What's the best technique or way to stuff a parata without the filling coming out when rolled
1: flat?" Yeah. Well, this is it. This is <laughs> this is where the practice comes in. I think. I, I suspect. I mean, you know, um, to, to begin, it's a lot of things. But when, when you when you break it down into um, I'm loving this, I have to say, you know, I'm loving talking about how to fill a paratha that you, um, that doesn't, that the filling doesn't come out when it's been split. Um, well, to, to begin with, you know, let's set expectations right. I mean, for me personally, a good paratha is one that has at least the same amount of filling as the amount of dough. Well, that makes it quite challenging. Sometimes I make it even more challenging and say it's got to have 1.5 times filling so every hundred gram dough should have 150 grams of filling say. but that is really really tricky. but normally you've um, said an equal quantity so if it's an 80 gram dough and you use an 80 gram of filling, the, the biggest trick is or the first trick is actually to try and have both the filling as well as the dough almost the same uh, temperature as well as the same consistency. So you know if you're trying to fill something really loose and wet inside a very stiff dough, it's bound to come out. Uh, if you're trying to fill something really, really um, hard uh, inside a very wet dough, that's not going to work either. So I think the, the first step is to, to get I mean you know, get your proportions right, but then get your consistency similar. And then it's about a lot of practice. So how I do it is, um, is that I, I always start with a dough in one of my hands and then I make an indent with my other and I kind of, you know, so make a little indent in the middle of the You know, and just instinctively keep rolling it around so that the edges are always thinner than the center of the thing. And it makes a little, little cup. And then I fill the, uh, uh, the, the, the stuffing inside and I keep pressing the stuffing in and, and moving the dough around. Basically, with your thumb, all you're doing is you're extending the, the casing. So all the slim sides then come together and you form a, uh, you, that is the closure. That is the you know point at which you close it. And you don't want it to be too doughy or too lumpy at that point. And that is the skill. But once you do that, you rest your dough. You rest your, you know, filled paratha or ball for about five odd minutes or so. And, you know, you can use that time to make others. Anyway, you've got to that point and then comes this thing about gently pressing it out or spreading it out either you know first you start off with the palm of your hand press the thing down but then you roll it with a rolling pin the whole idea of a paratha the name paratha comes from parat which means layers right so if you're making a, a, a just a plain non no filling paratha then you you want to have layers in it which is a slightly different technique you make a round and then you roll it out slightly you fold it into a semicircle. You fold it out into a triangle. But if you're doing a, a filled one, then again, you know, you've got dough on the outside, you've got filling inside, and you've got dough at the bottom. That is the layers that we're talking about. And so, yeah, you do all of that, and then a wing and a prayer, <laughs> and fingers crossed, it comes out <laughs> all right. <laughs>
0: So, w- once you've done all of, all of those steps and it comes down to cooking, um, Izzy underscore yeah. S says, um, do I need a fryer to make them?
1: No, no, not at all, not at all. For a paratha, you just need a frying pan, okay. uh, a flat frying pan, and you always start off dry. So dry heat, no oil, nothing. Uh, you always first cook the parathas dry, so you put them on a dry frying pan, a couple of minutes, and it starts to form, you know, little brown spots on the bottom. You check that, you turn it over. So you've got the cooked side on top and the, you know, the raw side at the bottom, and then the cooked top, the cooked side, you basically brush it with oil or ghee or butter or whatever you, you know, you fancy. But you do that. Um, and then you turn it around again, and therefore the the brushed oil side kind of goes to the bottom and it cooks further. So you this two way process essentially step for every single part. And so yeah, you don't need a fryer at all. No, it's just a dry frying pan and a little bit of oil or whatever medium you're using to brush.
0: And for the last question, cooking with Vani asked, why does my paratha sometimes become hard?
1: Ah well, a couple of reasons I can think of is probably your um perhaps the dough is too hard and perhaps there's not enough filling, so you've been stingy with the filling um don't ever be <laughs> um, yeah, get as much you know get get packing when you're making parathas. you really want to have more more filling than dough um. Uh, what other what other reason could there be? I mean, it could be that some people use a little bit of oil or um, a little bit of ghee to you know knead the dough for a paratha, and and that kind of makes the uh, the bread slightly richer, perhaps a little bit more pliable. Uh, so perhaps if you're not doing that, or maybe your the 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 flour that you're using is perhaps not fine enough, because um, a chapati flour traditionally is not quite as weak as a plain flour, nor is it as strong as a wholemeal flour. It sits somewhere in between. It's a slightly finer milled um, flour. And I think that, that kind of contributes to how soft or not it becomes.
0: Brilliant. I mean, what I love about these questions is that I think when you read a recipe, it kind of seems quite daunting. And you do have so many questions that obviously the author can't always include. But hearing you describe it, it makes me feel like I can actually make it now. So that's well, of always a good you thing. Can. <laughs> of
1: course <laughs> you so can. Excited. I
2: love the bit as well, like how you describe how you fill it like it just sounds like i wish people could see it was a podcast i wish people could see that the way you're showing it looks like pottery almost and that's the kind of way that i it is pottery. Which, which is perfect <laughs> like it's just a really good way of thinking because often you're trying to putting in and you're sort of trying to coax the um the dough for whatever it is you're making whether it's that or a dumpling or something trying to just encourage it to flip over but by making it thinner that's just that's just brilliant that's so so smart yeah Super. so useful and
0: from it is. <laughs> and from all the questions that we had um, from our audience, obviously, a lot of people know what a paratha is. But for those who don't know, could you just talk us through it?
1: Well, I mean, you know, paratha is uh, a lot of people say to me, "Is it's, you know, it, is it a bread? Is it a side? Um For some, it is actually a meal into itself. It's like the the only breakfast they can think of. And not not just the only breakfast, but actually a treat of a breakfast, a weekend treat or a special occasion treat or whatever. Because it does involve, I mean, I think it involves an element of prep, um, an element of technique. Uh, It is wholesome in the sense that it has, you know, vegetables or meat or whatever you're filling in. It's a full meal into itself. It's a brunch. You know, you think of it. I can have paratas for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And we've had it at all different times. So, you know, is this is this a dish? Is it a bread? Is it a side? Is it a meal? It can be any of those things or all of these things. Um, but on another level, when I think of paratas, um, or certainly I, I, you know, it's a part of a journey, part of an <laughs> experience. Uh, when I think of paratas, I mean, they you know they they are sheer poetry in terms of you know and it's a complete in some ways it's probably the for a lot of people it's the ultimate expression of their mother's love because this is something they they have at the weekend or their mother's cook and um, when i was younger and i was um, sort of you know starting off as a chef i used to say to people Um, when you start off making parathas the most essential ingredient is not the flour not the filling not the vegetable but having somebody to cook it (laughs) for you. because the best way for having parathas is uh, is that one person cooks and another person eats you know as you're eating finishing off the other one comes off the pan and you know you just eat this whole thing about this these sort of modern nuclear families where you know uh, the two of you, and you make all the paratas, and you then sit down and eat. Is never, never quite the same. So you almost need a slave, a servant, or a mother to to be cooking them. You know, cooking them for you. But I mean, I have on my Instagram feed. I I uh, I have uh, a, a video of my um, my mother-in-law making paratas for me. I mean, I, you know, I was on my own, and um, so, yeah, there were two of us and she was cooking for two of us. And, but it's it's just the, the whole, it's poetry, it's rhythm. It is almost meditative in terms of the process of, you know, thinking about it, and making the dough, preparing this, preparing the filling, and then going through the steps of it. It's just the most uh, therapeutic kind of cooking that you do, i.e. if you like that sort of cooking. <laughs>
2: That sounds great. I think I'm going to do that the weekend now. It just sounds so <laughs> lovely. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll get a hob in the living room or something so that I can do it at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got a question here from my colleague, Barney, um, who he says hi and says um, hi. he would like to know if it's best to make them with chapati flour or with wholemeal flour or with white and wholemeal flour, like what you would suggest.
1: Um, no, chapati flour. Chap- chapati flour is the best but for whatever reason you don't have access to chapati flour, then you can try different proportions of you know um, just regular plain flour, uh, and and mixing up the whole wheat flour depending on how what kind of strength they are. Um, but chapati flour is widely available now. The important thing is that you know um, for most parathas, or all the parathas that I know, of, uh, it's a completely unleavened bread. It doesn't require any fermentation, any raising agent whatsoever, and it's Quick in the sense that you need a dough and you're ready to go. So you don't have to wait three days and, or in, in the case of sourdough fourteen days before mm. you get it's, your first loaf of bread.
0: Yeah, Barney is a, a sourdough master and he's always thinking yes, about the different yeah, <laughs> types of flour, I, I yeah. know, which is why which is
1: why I, I, I said that. I said that. Yeah. No, Barney I know he he loves his bread and his baking, so brilliant.
0: And um, in the filling recipes, you put the grated ingredients into a muslin cloth to squeeze out the yeah. excess liquid. And is that yeah. to stop it from going soggy? And sort of how dry should the mixture feel?
1: Yeah. So uh, for the, if you looked at these, sort of, you know, the, the, the ones that require a bit of squeezing out um, are, are the ones that are raw filling. So it's so like a cauliflower, which is, you know, grated cauliflower, it's raw. Um, but the real reason for doing that is, of course, when you add salt into these things, they do bring out the moisture. And then, you know, if you haven't squeezed out the, the cauliflower or the broccoli, whatever that might be enough, then you'll just end up with such a wet filling that it's just going to make your paratha come out. So um, with onions, um, with a filling of onions or cauliflower or broccoli, you tend to you tend to, you don't, you know, you don't need to squeeze it if you're using paneer or, cheese or cooked lamb mince like I do <laughs> um, or, or certainly with potatoes you know anything cooked like that you don't have to squeeze
2: okay. I like the fact that you were sort of describing a lot of it as sort of poetry and things like you, you have such a passion when did you fall in love with cooking
1: when did that start ah uh, when, did I love, uh, when did I fall in love with cooking I don't know I mean I it must have been quite late Um and it was quite late for me you know from a Thinking about cooking as a uh, as the ultimate sort of career or whatever, uh, it was way after I even finished my hotel school. So, but the whole whole uh, <laughs> the way I think about it is, it wasn't my cooking or my desire to cook that got me into hotel school. It's probably my greed and this, <laughs> you know, my insatiable appetite for eating good stuff, and you know, <laughs> and that that probably got me there in the first place. Uh, but, um, I mean, as, as things went along, I realized how, um, how much I enjoyed cooking and, you know, I was okay at it. You know, I was pretty good, as good as anybody, you know, the guy next door, or next next to me. So, um, and then came a point where I, I just thought, no, no, this is what I really enjoyed doing and I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, good, I, I can still cook and I can still eat what I want when I want it's a great place to be. Lovely.
2: And is there any advice that you would give someone starting out in the restaurant industry, starting out in their career?
1: Wow. What advice can I give to somebody who wants wants to start off in the uh, restaurant uh, career? I said to people, you know, if you get into restaurants only if you love. Um, The graft, or the love, the craft. So, if if you want to um, cook or host or you know love wine, you know there must be, there has to be a big element of that. You know, um, your heart's got to be in it because there are, you know, if it's just about money and just about setting up a business and selling it off and you know going off to do you know wonderful things, then there are far easier ways. Of making money then getting into restaurants.
2: <laughs> it's hard, basically.
1: It's real it's hard. It's all right. No, but if you if you if your heart's in it, actually yeah. you end up in a good place. I don't mind it at all.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people have quite a romantic view of owning a restaurant. But yeah. I think behind the scenes the long hours and the you know, weekends and missing social events and all these different factors that come into it, you really do need to have that passion for it. Otherwise, it, it will be a slog, really.
1: It is, yeah, you you hit it on the head. It is the, yeah, you've got to have the passion for it. A, a lot of people who, you know, you think, oh, you know, because every time I host a party at home, people love it. Uh, look, it's not quite the same as running a restaurant. <laughs> it's actually quite different. Um, but if your heart is in it and you really want to get stuck in, roll up your sleeves and do something, um, then there are, few better or more rewarding careers than this. I, I really, you know, I love the fact that in a, a restaurant universe, it really welcomes anyone and everyone, and I really do believe and mean it because it has the same opportunities for somebody who's coming from, you know, university or somebody who's, you know, just a school dropout. It has the same opportunities. If you're willing to apply yourself, you, you know, prepare to get your head down and, you know, uh, go for it. You can actually end up in a good place. Um, so, you know, restaurants are, are a great place, but only do it if you love doing it. That's my advice.
0: <laughs> good advice. <laughs> Very good advice. So, back to Paratha. What uh-huh. are some common mistakes that people make when they try and cook it at home?
1: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, When so when people make... Uh, uh, just like a plain paratha, one that is laminated, uh, basically uh, rolled out, and layered with a bit of... Sometimes people don't use enough um, lamination, i.e. fat, key uh, or butter, between the different layers, and then it doesn't open up. That is, yeah, it's a small mistake. It's not a sacrilege. It's not not a big deal, but it does happen a lot. Um, the other mistake people make is, I think, you know, with... It, with um, and it's not for any fault of theirs. It's just because they haven't really figured it out. Is that if the filling and the uh, the dough is not more or less the same consistency, you end up with quite a difficult thing to um, do. So when I when I mentioned about having the filling and the dough both more or less the same temperature and the same consistency, that's quite important because sometimes people try to fill a, a hot potato mix inside. A cold piece of dough and it doesn't work. It just doesn't because it does need that time to cool down and firm up. Um, yeah, it's essentially that. Um, for people who are either making or getting, you know, getting served uh, a potato paratha, for me personally, not serving enough butter with it is the biggest mistake you can make. <laughs> You know, I think I love, I, I have coined this phrase. I think there's there are very few things that I love more than seeing the last dance. So for me, a paratha that comes off the pan straight onto the plate, uh, a, a potato paratha especially, or any paratha actually, even the cauliflower, uh, and then you drop a cube or a piece of cold salted butter on top and just watch it, you know, watch it run around. <laughs> That last dance, there are very few things that give me more pleasure than that.
0: You're making me want <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> I want to experience the last dance right now. Oh. Is that your phrase? That's just such a lovely yeah, visual. Yes,
1: phrase. it My, is. I've never heard this before, so this is just my phrase. Yeah.
2: That's lovely. That's so lovely.
0: I think it's just so nice to hear um, the passion when you're talking about this and obviously it's for cooking in general, but it seems to be, you know, this dish you do have a lot of passion for it. And I think that comes back to what you said. It's a sort of ultimate sign of your mother's love and, you know, it's like... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be just... <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, it's also one of those things that, you know, it's, it's so common and it's so uh, everyday and it is quite humble in most parts that, you know, if you don't, take, if you don't think about it, it, actually is nothing, it's not special. Um, but if you do sit down and think about it and think about the different stages and the phases of your life and, you know, different feelings and different experiences that you may have had, actually you realize it's far more than just an act of feeding or cooking or eating. It can become a lot more. And, and the more you think about it, the more you value it. And I suppose that's where I've got to.
0: And with um, Parati, you've suggested that this is served with a yogurt or a pickle. And which sort of pickle would you suggest to serve with this?
1: Well, you know, every household has, a, a, you know, has some sort of a pickle that they really love or like. Usually in most Indian households, it's the, uh, it's the hot mango pickle. You know, because mangoes are in season only, or raw mangoes are in season only a couple of months in a year. But if you really like the taste of mangoes, Most households, most families would actually, a lot of them actually make uh, their own raw mango pickle. Um, uh, And it's also easily available in supermarkets. So, you know, a hot mango pickle, or in some cases a chili pickle or whatever, that works really well. Um, So you think of the accompaniments as, okay, you've got something hot, um, which is the pickle. You've got something cooling, which is the yogurt. And then you've got something rich, which is the butter. And you you move from one to another to another. And that's how you get the complete uh, experience.
0: It's like unity in the dish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there
2: anything that you would serve like drinks wise? What would you have? What would you drink with that?
1: No, I mean t- traditionally if you have yogurt uh, you can either serve yogurt really thick, uh, like a raita, uh, or you know, not even a raita, just plain yogurt. A lot of people just serve plain yogurt, a couple of spoons of sugar on it, and that's it. You know. um, so that's the thick version. If you took, if you ever took the highway from Delhi to uh, Himachal, which is you know up through Punjab and yeah. Yeah. into the Himalayas, you come across the place called Maruthal, which is. Just got a string of roadside eateries where you sit down and you just sit down and you know order order paratas. They only do; they can do all kinds of things: potatoes, onions, cauliflower, whatever's in season, or paneer or whatever. Um, and, and what you they'll serve you the the butter is free. The pickle is free, obviously. What what do you pay for? But they can serve you with massive big glasses of lassi, and I kid you not, you know glasses of lassi which is like a thin down yogurt drink and that's just you know that's what you would eat it with if you from if you were looking at a drinks from a drinks perspective you would either serve lassi uh, a plain yogurt lassi or a a mango lassi if you, you know mangoes were in season
2: we spoke earlier about it being a um special a special occasion like a saturday maybe brunch dish or is it more every day or can it be both
1: it depends what kind of a household you are. And, um, you know, my mom was a full-time uh, homemaker. Uh, and even then, she couldn't make this every day. It was just impossible. Um, whereas, I mean, these days, most people... work. Well, my wife, you know, for, for my wife now, um, if she feels like making parathas for us for, you know, whether it's brunch or breakfast or Uh, at the weekend it's an easy cue she is in a really good mood right she's really feeling benevolent she's really feeling the love and wants to share it otherwise there's no way you're going to get parada there so yeah it isn't uh, it it can be an everyday thing depending on what kind of staff you've got at home (laughs) but these days no
2: so well that means I can just ask you who's coming to your party.
1: Oh my. So if you could have
2: like uh if you're doing a really lovely celebratory brunch, your wife's in a good mood. <laughs> um who would be around your table so you can have um uh, living dead fictional whoever you want. Who are you going to share them with? Oh my god. Oh you're not going to share.
1: <laughs> I probably not share, but you know if I had to I uh, I think I mean for a number of reasons um If I was hosting the paratha party, um, yeah, I I think, you know, I'd I'd sort of probably, I I definitely have my wife and my mother-in-law and my mother at it, because just as a thank you for all the millions of parathas (laughs) I've had from them (laughs) over the years. Uh, But also more importantly, because um, I, My wife's my worst critic, and she's also very particular about how she likes her parathas. So it will be a really good challenge to, you know, to have. Um, But I think the best parata parties are those where um, there are as many people to cook as there are to eat, as I've said before, (laughs) you know. So if you're going to have six people, you have six people to cook and six people to eat. And then you take, you know, you take turns. (laughs)
2: That actually sounds really fun yeah (laughs) so we'll go on the on the hob now
1: (laughs) yes exactly
2: (laughs) oh that sounds lovely
0: so i think that's all we've got time for today but thank you so much vivette for joining us
2: yeah i feel like utterly transported this sounds so good and i know i'm doing saturday um vivek will be <laughs> recording a recipe for us so that you can cook along and um, we can't wait to try it and it's going to be available as a separate episode at the weekend and will also be online at bbcgoodfood.com thank you very much for listening thank you for listening to rookie and nice a new podcast from bbc good food For recipes and more information, please visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode.